0: Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Take me back to March when the pandemic hit. Ooh. Being a limo driver, I was dealing with individuals who were coming from across seas. So at that point in time, you know, the layoffs occurred for weeks. It went on where I was calling and it was busy or it would just continue to ring. There was no answer. Sometimes for four hours at a time. Now, I've not received not one payment. I understand they're overwhelmed, but it, you can only understand for so long. And then it becomes a major problem because the bill collectors don't understand. You can say, I'm sorry, as many times, it's still not paying the bills. What happens if you don't get this money soon? I don't know. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't know. It's been seven months since the pandemic hit. So why is Wisconsin's unemployment system still leaving people behind? From the Fox 6 studios, this is Open Record. I'm Amanda St. Hilaire here with my colleague Brian Polson. Hi, Brian.
1: Hi, Amanda. Today is Tuesday, October 20th, and we've talked about unemployment on this podcast before. Amanda, remind us how this works in Wisconsin and the issues that have popped up that you've been talking about so much since the beginning of this pandemic.
0: Well, when you're employed in Wisconsin, you are paying into unemployment insurance, and so is your employer. And so when you then become unemployed and you apply for unemployment insurance, the money comes from that pot. Now, over the years, Wisconsin's unemployment system has become, increasingly complicated. And a lot of that goes back to reforms that happened when Scott Walker was governor. And Scott Walker says the purpose of these reforms was really to do two things, to curb unemployment fraud and also to get people off the unemployment rolls, to make sure that people were encouraged to work as much as possible. This was the rationale uh, that was presented for these reforms. So we had a lot of things added to the system, like a one-week waiting period before you can get your unemployment check in 2012, Uh, the minimum number of job searches that you have to do to qualify for benefits, that doubled, Uh, the definition of employee misconduct and substantial fault, that was expanded, making it easier to disqualify claimants even if they make um, sometimes what amounts to be a simple mistake. So over the years, we have these layers that keep getting added to Wisconsin's unemployment system. Fast forward to 2020, the pandemic hits, and this system largely stays the same. So the State Department of Workforce Development is the department that oversees unemployment in Wisconsin. So even though there's federal money coming in for unemployment, it's the State Department that really, uh, or DWD as we often refer it to, to, um, it's really that department that is overseeing how these benefits are distributed. And right away, the backlogs start. And it's for a combination of things, in large part because you just have this massive influx of people using this system. Uh, In Wisconsin, our system runs on um, a a pretty old computer structure, um, and there are disagreements about how much that factors into the delays that we are experiencing here in this state. But then you have a lot of people who aren't used to using the unemployment system and they're answering questions that they often don't understand. There's not a whole lot of explanation about what each question means and why it's necessary and what the results are uh, if you answer yes or no or however you decide to answer it. And you see a lot of people um having claims adjudicated, which is basically the process you go through um, when they're trying to figure out what's going on with your claim. And that can take quite a while. You see a lot of people being denied uh, for reasons they did not anticipate. And in some cases now, we're seeing people who were paid out right away, and they're being told now, um, oh, you made a mistake on your claim. You were overpaid, and now you need to give us that money back. So we have all these problems that are mounting. Wisconsin still has a backlog of claims. Right now, there are roughly the latest numbers from the Department of Workforce Development say 590,000 claims that are still being processed. And these claims belong to between 80 and 81,000 people, in addition to more than 10,000 appeals that are in process. So we still have people who have waited weeks and months and have not received a single unemployment check.
1: We've been talking about this, obviously, for a long, long time, going back to when the pandemic first really took hold in March. And if you look, it it made sense, I think, in March when there was just an historic slamming, a surge of filings, new claims filed back in March uh, and, and for several weeks after that, uh, the level of new claims being filed was at, at just levels that were unprecedented. And I think most people were willing to give uh, the state, you know, cut the state some slack here and say, OK, this is unprecedented. It's going to take time to sort this out. And you have done story after story after story in the ensuing months. It's now October. It's been seven months and in your latest report. You talked about that number five hundred and ninety five thousand claims that are still being processed. At a certain point people go, "All right, state, get your act together. What's going on? Why is this still such an enormous problem 7 months later?"
0: And this is where the finger pointing really starts. So, an employment attorney we often speak to named Victor Forberger, uh he is he gives very blunt interviews about in his opinion what the state of the system is. But one of the things that he often says is, look, one side of the spectrum, wants to the political spectrum, that is, wants to be defensive and pretend the problems don't exist. And in that case, he's referring to the Democrats. And he says the other side, the Republicans, want those problems to not be fixed so they can campaign on them and point to the other side and say, see, here's how bad they botched unemployment. So the Democrats introduced a package of bills that would largely walk back those Scott Walker-era reforms that we talked about a few minutes ago. And Democrats say, look, this will uncomplicate the system. This will make it easier because this system was not designed to handle a pandemic in a situation where you have to get a large amount of claims out quickly. Republicans have zero appetite to do that. The The legislature has not met, has not given any indication that it will take up these bills. Now, employment attorneys like Victor Forberger say there are still things the state should be able to do. So you look at the state of Michigan, series of executive orders related to unemployment insurance that cut out just large chunks of typical problem areas. So for example, in the state of Michigan, they said, you know what, through this executive order, we are only going to look at your most recent employer. Because one thing that can really trip people up is, let's say you left a job in January, right? You didn't file benefits for benefits for it. You just quit. You didn't like the job. You started a new job. And then you got laid off because of the pandemic. That can cause a lot of problems for your claim and lead to a denial. In the state of Michigan, they said, you know what, we're not even going to look at that. We're only going to look at your most recent employer. Now, the state Supreme Court in Michigan, Uh, just struck down any of those executive orders. So there's a big question about what happens to the unemployment system now. And that's what the state of Wisconsin is worried about. If you issue these executive orders, they then become uh, subject to being fought at the Supreme Court level. And if it gets overturned, what happens to your unemployment system then? Does it become even more complicated but it could even be if you talk to employment attorneys like Victor Forberger he says it could even be as simple as having better walkthroughs of what these questions are when you're filing for unemployment and and what they mean so an example he gave is if I have a back injury and my doctor says because of my back injury I can only work 20 hours a week that means you should be answering yes to being available for full-time work because your full-time work is that 20 hours a week. Most people don't know that. You don't you hear full-time work and you think, well, no, I, I should say no to that because I didn't work 40 hours a week. And if you're going through the state's website and if you're filing your unemployment claim, there's really nowhere that explains that to you. So there are a lot of spots like that where it's easy for people to trip up, answer a question wrong your claim then gets sent to adjudication for goodness knows how long, and that's what leads to a lot of those delays. So if you talk to people like Victor Forberger, he says that the state hasn't really done anything to streamline this process, hasn't done anything to make the questions easier to understand, hasn't made those structural changes. The state has hired hundreds of of additional people to help process claims, but that's throwing more people into the system without necessarily looking at the structural change that's there. Department of Workforce Development is under a leadership change right now. In September, Governor Tony Evers asked the then-Secretary Caleb Frostman for his resignation. So right now, the department's doing an internal reviews of all its systems, I wouldn't be surprised if we heard announcements about changes in the next few weeks what those changes will be or how substantial those changes will be Uh, that's really anyone's guess at this point
1: what what i have really seized upon in, in watching your stories uh throughout this process is if you're someone who has a fairly simple claim straightforward claim and you fill out all of the, you answer all of the questions, and there aren't any real questions or surprises, you're going to be fine. If there is a question that requires, and the magic word, the scary word seems to be, that requires you to go to adjudication. Mm -hmm. Once your case gets put into that box of adjudication, you're going to be waiting. And in some of these cases, what it sounds like is the reason something gets kicked into the adjudication pile is something very simple, very easy to resolve. And you talked to, for this latest story, you talked to some people who've been on the inside, who've worked at the unemployment insurance division, who've answered some of these calls, and who can see for themselves, I can see what the problem is here. This is easy to fix, but that's not my job. This one's got to go to adjudication. It seems like there are things, this is one of those where the bureaucratic red tape is really getting in the way, of resolutions,
0: yes. So I, I spoke with mostly claims specialists, um, and these are people who we uh, we did not reveal their identities because they were not authorized to talk to journalists. But claims specialists are if, if you're someone who has to call about an unemployment issue, you're probably going to be talking to a claims specialist. Adjudicators are the ones who are going through, like you described, Brian, those more complicated cases, the cases where they say, okay, we really need someone to sit down, examine this, and sort this out. The claim specialists are saying these are simple, often minor problems that are holding up claims. I'm on the phone with someone. I can see that they made a mistake when they answered this question, that they didn't quite understand what it was really asking. And if I had the power to with my job, I could in a few keystrokes go in there and fix it right away. But I'm not allowed to because that's not how the system is set up. I am required to send it over to adjudication. And that's where these claims specialists are getting really frustrated because they feel like they see where they can help. And the way the system is set up, they're not permitted to. And they're the ones who are often taking, and they're part of the reason they're frustrated, they're taking the brunt of other people's frustrations, right? So when someone's calling unemployment, it's not because they're having a great day and everything is smooth, sail, smoothly sailing along. And so, so I, they're y- dealing with y- the y- claim specialist whose job is to really kind of usher them along to that next phase. And the claim specialist is saying, it would be so easy for me to fix this, and I am not allowed to.
1: And we know that the governor, facing a lot of heat over the, the what would some up termed the failures of the system to crank out these unemployment uh, checks and deal with these uh, claims, that criticism in, in the face of that, he hired a whole lot of new people. But but if you're hiring people who are just more claims specialists, and you're not really expanding the volume of adjudicators or people who can go in and resolve these problems do you just end up clogging the pipeline further with claims that could ultimately have some sort of potentially even minor problem that is just waiting on adjudication? Well,
0: and there were more to be clear, they did hire more adjudicators but if more and more people are being passed along to the adjudicators it it doesn't really help so maybe it will speed it up by a couple weeks for someone but it's not going to do a lot to substantially cut down on that backlog because you still have those claims coming in and you still have people answering questions a lot of times in the wrong way. So in ways that are, in many cases, very preventable. So for example, um, one of the claims specialists I talked to say one of the most common mistakes she sees is the um, available and able to work requirement, right? You need to be available and able to work in order to collect unemployment in the state of Wisconsin. A lot of people will accidentally say they were unavailable and unable to work because they did not understand that question the way it's worded. So you can hire more people to sort through that or Employment attorneys say you can just fix the question <laughs> or you can go through and explain so, to people how to appropriately answer that question or what we mean when we're asking that question.
1: Well, and, and for anyone who's gone through this, sometimes, yeah, if, if you don't know the significance of how you answer that question or essentially how you should be answering it, if you're confused by the question, we can all imagine that's not a hard thing to do, especially... When you're dealing with questions over a, a you know a computer and you don't have a person to speak to and ask this, if those questions are worded in a way that is legally sound or is administratively sound, but is still confusing to the average person filing unemployment, yeah, I can see a lot of these problems cropping up. One of the things that stands out to me, and you said it earlier, and and we've talked about this for some time now the reforms that were put in place in part to guard against fraud. We know unemployment fraud has historically been a problem in Wisconsin, and and our investigative unit has done stories in the past about issues where the unemployment system was being routinely defrauded and not much was happening to the people who were committing that. So then you see these reforms kick in. But that was happening at a time where there was not this historic emergency. And and sometimes we'll see in government where there's a balance between you either tighten things up and make things harder to get in the interest of protecting against fraud, or you loosen things up in the interest of expediency because we're dealing with an unusual situation. That often happens when there's maybe a a, 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 a weather-related emergency. There have been huge, massive floods, and people are, are hurting, and they might loosen up the rules for getting, say, food stamps temporarily to make sure people are covered. Has there been anything done here to try to sort of loosen up these restrictions because we're dealing with an emergency? Has there been a discussion of whether or not you err on the side of restriction and reform versus erring on the side of just making sure people can survive in uh, in the middle of a pandemic?
0: Well, Democrats will say they've tried by introducing that package of legislation Um, and Republicans will say. Um, that rolling back all of these reforms that they're they're very proud of, and that Scott Walker was very proud of, that that's a non-starter. So that's where the stalemate tends to be. But then there are those in-between questions. So, for example, with this system, Governor Evers, at the beginning of the pandemic, waived your work search requirement, right? So typically you have to show that you've searched for a certain amount of jobs, In the pandemic, where are you going to be searching for another job, right? So that was something through executive order. He said, I'm waiving this. Well, even though the work search requirement was waived, you still had to, or you would be denied your unemployment benefits, register for this job search that you were never going to do and upload your resume. A lot of people were confused by that because they kept getting notices that the job search requirement was waived, so they didn't think they needed to do anything that went along with that. Department of Workforce Development says a combination of federal and state laws made it so they could not change that, and then the legislature did not change that portion of state law DWD was referring to, and then that federal portion of the law would still exist. DWD still hasn't really answered a whole lot of questions about that issue beyond that because you have other states that don't have work search requirements. So the federal portion of that is is kind of an iffy area. But regardless, you still have a lot of sections that are like that. So where an attempt was made to streamline the process, yet there's still red tape that can prevent people from getting these benefits. And the interesting thing is we have this whole system that's supposed to be designed to prevent fraud we're still seeing cases of fraud that happen or that are attempted so the man you heard from at the beginning of this episode Timothy what's holding up his claim was someone tried to commit fraud on his unemployment account now the the fraud was caught so his money didn't go to someone else but because of that it had to go through this big investigation his claim had to go through adjudication When that was supposedly taken care of, he got a call from someone else saying it wasn't taken care of, and then he got calls that there were now all these other issues that were popping up on his claim. So he's been waiting months. He's been trying to collect unemployment since March, and he has not received a single payment. So we have this system that is supposed to prevent fraud, but it's right now keeping the right person, in this case, Timothy, from getting paid. So...
1: Where do we go from here? Because this is, as we said, seven months in. There are still five hundred ninety thousand unprocessed or or claims that are in processing, and if I read your data correctly, that represents about eighty-one thousand people, roughly. So, correct. That's the the five hundred ninety thousand is the number of claims, but eighty-one thousand individual people, many of them with multiple pending claims. Are they catching up? Are they starting to shrink that number? Do they have any? Does does Department of Workforce Development have any sort of projection as to when they might be caught up, and I'm not sure if there's a definition of what caught up means, but when they might be caught up with this huge backlog?
0: Uh, DWD has not given any projection on when they expect to be caught up with this backlog. And and you bring up a good point, Brian. The definition of what caught up means could, could be different for different people. I don't think DWD knows when it's going to be caught up because you still have people who are being newly laid off and furloughed right now because of the pandemic. Depending on the industry you're in, the pandemic's going to hit you at different points. I know my husband's a civil engineer and his industry usually feels the effects of, of things like this maybe a year after they happen. So his industry in March is going to start feeling what some other industries felt um, at the very beginning of this pandemic. So it's hard to tell exactly when they think things will be caught up. Um, The only thing we can do right now is wait to see what kinds of changes DWD is going to announce and and see whether rolling that out is going to do any good. They've been pretty tight-lipped about what those possible changes could be. Um, They really seem to be emphasizing that they've had a change of leadership, but under prior leadership, they were saying until they were blue in the face that they had done everything they could possibly do to streamline the system without further assistance from the legislature. So it'll be interesting to see if that position has changed, if the state will try to maybe take a few extra steps and risk a potential court challenge, or if the legislature decides, hey, it's time for us to pass some laws that actually codify these changes to the unemployment system.
1: If you and I know you can't do this in a podcast because it's an audio medium there's no visual uh, ability, but you know how much I love my numbers and you know how much I love my charts <laughs> and and if you look at the unemployment claims, weekly unemployment claims in Wisconsin, these are initial new initial claims that have been filed and you look at a chart for the year statewide uh, back in January and February in the beginning of March, the chart was at sort of its typical historical levels in fact it was it was low, I think historically, uh, and they were getting a couple of thousand maybe. Per month statewide of new or a couple of thousand per week, I should say. Um, when we hit, uh, and maybe it was more than a couple of thousand, four, three, four thousand at the most. But when you get to March, that number skyrockets to well over one hundred thousand. And you look on a chart; it's imagine a line that is just moving horizontally and then shoots straight up in the air, sky high. It's startling. It didn't. It didn't take long though. Before that line dropped way back down, not to where it was before the pandemic, but within about two months, the line was well back down below 50,000, maybe even below 40,000, has gradually continued to drop. We're now back under 20,000 claims a week statewide. And I bring that up for this reason. That surge, that spike, uh, that peak in the curve from earlier in the year still stands out dramatically. And when you talk about the state being way, way behind if claims stay down at the levels where they are now, it seems like it ought to be manageable. Um, obviously, that was an historic spike, an historic surge, but it appears they ought to be able to catch up, especially if they've made a significant investment in hiring more people. So I think for a lot of people, it is it is not only frustrating, but surprising that here we are still in October and there's no real end in sight to this backlog. Uh, obviously, there's a lot of finger pointing from both sides and there's probably some fault lying all around. But I think for the people who are sitting at home who are just trying to answer the questions the best they can and who desperately need some kind of help, I, I think they're certainly hoping for more than an uncertain future as to when they're going to get answers. Um, it, your continued reporting on this, I think, is maybe sometimes the only light some of these people get because it, there isn't much information coming from, from anywhere else. At least that's that's what it looks like as, as I look at these numbers. And
0: that's the problem. Adjudicators tell me they're still going through Issues and claims that were filed back in May. It's October. So if right now we're still dealing with May, that gives you a sense of why the backlog is still a problem. And by the way, we're now coming up on a whole new problem. If people who have been paid out their claims are now being told, oh, by the way, you made a mistake and you were overpaid. You now owe that money back. Well, that money has been spent. That money has gone to paying bills and it was money people needed so they don't have that money to pay it back. So it will be. It will be interesting
1: to see, yeah, how much effort is 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 uh is exerted toward recou you know recouping some right. of those overpayments versus the effort being made to get people paid who are desperately waiting for for their claims.
0: Right, and that's something. I mean, it's nothing we say on here is going to make it any less frustrating for the people sitting at home waiting for that money. I mean, you. It's common in interviews for people to start crying and and break down about this issue and just talk about the physical toll that this stress has taken on their lives, not being able to eat, not being able to sleep. I talked to one woman today who is dealing with an eviction notice and she's just going into debt more and more by the day. Um, She... Her uh, plates on her car expired. She doesn't have enough money to get those renewed, and so now if she does have a job interview, she's worried about taking her car and driving to that interview. So it just becomes this this cycle and this spiral for people, and it's it's very nothing we say here can can bring them comfort. What's going to bring them comfort is getting that unemployment payment.
1: Well, Amanda, I know that you could do a story on unemployment every single day of the week, uh, all week long, all month long. And uh, and unfortunately, the reality is a lot of it would be repetitive because we're just getting inundated with emails and calls from people who are still waiting, who are still struggling with the system. And often they are the same underlying issues. So you can't just keep repeating yourself. Uh, you sound like a broken record. But you have uh, been all over this from the beginning and have found ways to bring us new uh, advancing information. And so uh, obviously I'll speak on behalf of the listeners to open record that we appreciate the work you've put into it because some of it, so much of it can sound uh, repetitive and sound like a, a system that's hard to break into, to really understand what's going on. But when you start to hear some of the behind the scenes talk of what's happening, you get a better picture of what's happening. And I think it's been illuminating for uh, for those of us who sometimes wonder what is going on at the Department of Workforce Development.
0: Thanks, Brian. It's an important issue. And it's one, you know, we, like you said, there there are a lot of different aspects to this pandemic we have to cover. And I think journalists right now, we're, we're in a state of, sometimes it feels like we're drowning in all the news that we need to report on and, and the issues we need to get out there. And they're all important. But this This issue, especially just with the number of people it affects and with how complicated it is, right? The beauty of what you and I do is we get a little more time than most people do in TV news to explain a complicated issue. And we have the benefit of visuals to help us show people how something works. So I think that combination can really help drive home for people, even though it's a very little comfort for them if they don't have a check, at least they understand What's going on and and what some of the common issues are. And the more we can explain it, hopefully the easier it is for people to answer those questions, do it correctly, and ideally run into fewer issues along the way.
1: Well, Amanda, thank you, as always. And, of course, we're going to continue bringing you these twice-weekly episodes of Open Records. We cover the COVID-19 pandemic, presidential election, police-community relations, the unemployment system, so much more. If there's a topic you want us to discuss or an issue you think we should investigate, send us an email to fox6investigators at fox.com. That is fox, the number six, investigators at (laughs) fox.com.
0: As always, thank you to the people who make this podcast possible. Producer Pete, Dave Machuda, Suzanne Barthel, and Sarah Smith. Please subscribe to Open Record. If you haven't done that already, you can find it wherever you do your podcast listening. Thanks for listening to Open Record. I'm Amanda St. Hilaire. And for Brian Polson, we will be back on Thursday.